Yo soy Andrea Marquez, and this is Latinx Debate, a weekly political segment where we discuss issues that matter to us, like health, the economy, immigration, and more. With me again are Luis Gutierrez and Daniel Garza. Luis, Dan, how are you today? Good, Andrea. Good to see you once again. Andrea, doing great. Good to see you again. Well, as a reminder, you each have one minute to answer each question, so let's get started. Last Friday, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. This is significant for many reasons. Regardless of political opinions, RBG was a trailblazer for women and one of the most influential people in modern U.S. history. RBG passed at a time of polarized politics in America, and as the leader of the liberal bloc of the United States Supreme Court, her death is significant because it creates an opportunity to establish a conservative court for years to come. One of the primary responsibilities of the president is to nominate a member of the Supreme Court to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Daniel, do you think that President Trump should nominate a Supreme Court justice before elections, or should he wait until the next term and let whoever is elected president decide? Well, Andrea, consider that uh, this situation has occurred on 29 different occasions in the past, and on 29 of those occasions, there has been an appointment of a nominee to the federal bench. And so this would be no different than that. This would be the 30th appointment during a presidential election year. And I think he should absolutely do it. And it should be a constitutionalist uh, of, of the bend of uh, like maybe, let's say, our, our Barbara Lagoa from uh, Florida, who is a Latina woman who is on the Federalist Society. Uh, she is uh, a mother of three children, bilingual. I think she fits uh, I think, an incredible uh, repertoire of, of, of what we need in, in, in the, on the federal bench. So, yes, he should absolutely do it and pay no mind to the Democrats, who also nominated um, a, 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 a candidate uh, during a presidential election year in, in uh, 2016. Luis, what do you think? Here's the reality. Four years ago, the president of the United States, Obama, did... Nine months before the election, not six weeks before the election, nine months before the election in the last year of his term, there was a vacancy, Scalia, he nominated something. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that you cannot nominate anybody the last year of your presidency. But the Republicans, the same Republicans that control the Senate today said, and I quote, we should never appoint anybody to the Supreme Court in the last year of a presidency. We should let the voters decide in November who that nominee would be. And I'm sure my friend Daniel does not dispute that they said that. So who changed the rules? The Constitution? No, the Republican Party changed the rule. All I say, if it's good for the goose, it should be good for the gander. And here's the other thing. We should nominate somebody in the tradition of Ruth Ginsburg. Daniel, do you have anything to say to that? Yeah, I would say that the Democrats absolutely ignored the Republicans' call to not nominate someone. And they happened to be the party in power at the time when uh, Merrick uh, Garland was nominated. And so they, they, they refused to actually take a vote, as was done with Miguel Estrada, a Latino, during the Bush years when the Democrats were in power and absolutely uh, ignored the nomination of Miguel Estrada because he would have been the first Latino to the to the federal bench. And they didn't like that. They didn't like his ideology. Apparently, he wasn't Hispanic enough uh, because he didn't think uh, uh, or he wasn't wired left. Th this is all uh, craziness. This is politics. Uh, it should be ignored. I think the president is constitutionally required to nominate someone. And then, of course, if the party in power approves of the nomination, they will approve him. Uh, so 
without delay, uh, we stand ready as an organization to lend our full forces in support of a constitutionalist that will be nominated by President uh, Donald Trump. Well, first of all, that nomination you talked about is irrelevant. It wasn't to the Supreme Court of the United States. We were talking the Supreme, yep, the Supreme Court. Danielle likes to talk about 29 different people. <laughs> there weren't 29 nominations to the Supreme Court, I assure you. This is critical. This is the Supreme Court. And it's different, Danielle. I think you should be have a little more candor. You're pro-life and you want to make sure that the Supreme Court abolishes Roe versus Wade. You hate Obamacare. You have used millions of dollars of your money in order to defeat Obamacare, which would eliminate, right, uh, the clause that says you can't discriminate because of pre-existing conditions, right, and would take away health care from 20 million Americans. And let's be clear, President um, of the United States, Trump, keeps saying he has a plan. He has a plan and he has a plan and he's never presented it. You know what his plan is? Take 20 million people out of the healthcare system and the protection and eliminate all the clauses that protect people that have pre-existing conditions. Uh, and Andrea, I have to jump in here because the, impl the, the implication is that I want to remove healthcare from everybody. First of all, Obamacare is a healthcare insurance. It's not healthcare services. Uh, but still, what we would want to do is to replace Obamacare with something where you have that is um, patient-centric, that, that actually provides more options and more services in the private sector, instead of centralizing more control and more power in the hands of government and politicians to make healthcare decisions for us. It, it, it's, it's not that, that I despise Obamacare, I just don't like putting, putting our, our healthcare decisions in the hands of bureaucrats. That's the only difference here. We would, of course, preserve pre-existing conditions, contrary to what the congressman is saying, but we would expand actual choice and customize it to the individual as opposed to one size fits all, and you will take this no matter what, and wipe, out, uh, wipe away private insurance for, for everybody else through Medicare for all boondoggles that, that are being offered from, from the left. So I want to well, ask you both, Luis, sure. mainly, is a very big question, considering what you guys are already talking about is being so close to the elections. What do you think of how this is this available seat in the Supreme Court is going to affect the outcome of elections? Well, I think it's going to affect it greatly. Let's remember that in 2018, the main issue the Democrats use in order to take control of the House of Representatives was health care and the elimination and the threat that the Republicans represent to eliminating the clause that says you can't discriminate against people. And my friend Daniel, I'm sure he personally, but let's be clear, if the Supreme Court finds Obamacare unconstitutional, from that moment forward, there are no protections for people who have pre-existing conditions. Let me repeat that. Notwithstanding what Daniel wants to do, if the Supreme Court finds it unconstitutional, they lose their protection against pre-existing condition, and 20 million Americans lose Obamacare. And although my friend Daniel says that they want to replace it with something else, there is nothing that they've ever offered us to replace it. There is no legislation. There's absolutely nothing. America would be a such poor place for social justice. Daniel? Well, look, it comes down fundamentally to what you want to see as the role of government. Do you want to centralize more power, more money, more control in, in government, or do you actually want to uh, invert that, reverse it, and empower the individual? Uh, the Constitution actually empowers the individual. 
while modern uh, jurists actually want to empower more government. And that's, those have been the decisions, uh, lend more control to, in, in the hands of government. Look, uh, the American people are tired of, of uh, federal uh, judges legislating from the bench. They are there to interpret the law, no matter what the, what the, the results uh, are showing. But you have to work within the construct of the Constitution. And when you ignore the Constitution, you're going to have chaos. And, and, and so what we want are, are people who are going to be constitutionalists, who are going to uh, honor original intent. And if you don't like the Constitution, then work to change the Constitution. But but look, I think I just think it's so important that that we um, uh, nominate and and confirm judges who will honor original intent. Well, Andrea, if I could say to my friend Daniel, um, he talks about individual rights. When I first suggested in the in my earlier uh, talk, I said, well, Daniel wants to eliminate Roe versus Wade. Um, you notice he didn't refute that. As a matter of fact, on previous debates that we've had. He's asserted that, that he is pro-life. Well, what could be more individual right than the reproductive rights of a woman, than her right to not have the government interfere in her decisions about what she does with her body? I, on the one hand, will say very clearly, I respect women, I believe in women, and I will do everything to guarantee their rights when it comes to their reproductive rights in this country. I have two daughters and I'll be damned after I raised them, after I gave them the best of values, after I am going to respect whatever decision they make, that I'm gonna let some man now come and tell them what to do with their body. Oh, individual rights are good when it comes to corporations, not so good when it comes to yeah. women. I, I, I will um, stipulate that I am 100% pro-life. Uh, but as, a, as a, an individual, I don't get to impose my will on the rest of the American people. I have to honor the Constitution. And there is nothing in the Constitution that talks about abortion. And so if, it, if the Constitution does not address abortion, then it reverts to the states according to our Constitution. Whatever issue is not addressed in the Constitution. So it's the states that would take up the issue state by state on abortion. That's really where, 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 where the arguments uh, should be uh, fought for or uh, persuaded uh, uh, for um, uh, choice or against abortion. Uh, so it is not a federal issue, uh, Congressman. And, and I think you of all people should know that since you were part of the federal government. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying that, look, no matter what your personal beliefs are, you don't get to impose them on the rest of America. You have to honor and respect the Constitution. Luis, Daniel. Go ahead, Andrea. I started out by... Um, saying that regardless of political beliefs, RBG was an icon. And without a doubt, her legacy will be felt for generations to come. So I have a final question for both of you. Luis, I'll start with you. What do you think of RBG's legacy and what would you like to see in her replacement? Well, I'd like to see another woman who stands up for women's rights, who stands up for women's rights. Women in this country only earn 70 cents for every dollar a man makes. That is something that has to end. Women in this country, when it comes to their reproductive rights, it's under assault by people like Daniel and the Libre Initiative who want to take what has been established by the Supreme Court in the decision of Roe versus Wade, and they want us to go back to when women were in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. No, we I believe they should be equal <laughs> partners with us. I believe they should be equal partners with men. And so what is her legacy? 
you know, she couldn't get a job because she was a woman and she was a Jew. Let's put someone in the Supreme Court that is going to validate the right in this country to everybody to live fully their life, regardless of their religion, regardless of their uh, of their sexual orientation and regardless of their gender or color. That's the legacy of, of Ruth uh, Ginsburg. Daniel. Uh, look, I, I respect and admire women uh, who are passionate about their beliefs, uh, who are willing to fight and defend what is theirs. Um, I, I look, uh, RBG, I think, is it, it was admirable, uh, commendable to her achievements, uh, breaking the glass ceiling in the Supreme Court like that. Um, look, I, I think of women like my mother, uh, campesina, farm worker who came to America, worked alongside my dad in the fields in the orchards, uh, who who did everything for us on our behalf, sacrificed her own you know, personal career and her dreams. Um, and I have just as much admiration for somebody like my mom, uh, who was not able to achieve these big you know, things like, like RBG, but, but also someone who, who, who um, created their own destiny, um, like RBG, I think is, is a model for women. Did I agree with all her decisions? No, of course not. You know, she's more of a liberal bent. I'm more of a conservative bent. And that's okay. Uh, but I don't fail to recognize what, what she was able to achieve and, and how much of a shadow she cast on the, on the rest of uh, America jurisprudence. Well, if there's something that I hope we all can agree on is that whoever her su successor is, they have very big shoes to fill. Uh, yeah. Correct. And so that was our time. Congressman thank you, Daniel, Andrea. thank you very much. Thank you, Andrea. As always, thank you, it was Daniel. a pleasure. See you next week in the thank English you, Congressman. Absolutely. Love you both. <laughs> Bye, Andrea. Bye. Bye-bye. Grecia Martinez is Deputy Executive Director at United We Dream. She's originally from Hidalgo, Mexico, and she immigrated to the U.S. with her family when she was younger and grew up in Dallas, Texas. Grecia, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Andre. Um, so there's so many things I could talk to you about today, but of course, one of the bigger things that is going on right now and just the iconic RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she passed away on Friday. And so it's brought up a lot of new things that we weren't even talking about last week. And so it, it her death is significant for many reasons. She's a trailblazer. She's an icon. Right. She's a person who will be, who will be speaking about for generations to come. Um, and I want to ask you first, how, what is the, the decision of having an empty seat at the Supreme Court justice, how will this affect DACA and the future of it? Uh, thank you for that question and for the invitation. You know, um, when we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we lost a resilient and tenacious ally um, and someone that stood uh, by um, undocumented people, marginalized people all across the country and women. I am one of them. I'm one of 700,000 DACA recipients in this country. Um, and this summer, we took our fight against white supremacy straight to the Supreme Court. And with RBG on our side, we won. And so I think that this moment, um, more than new things, I think it confirms and, and even ratchets up the pressure on what this, um, this election means for undocumented people. 
Uh, we know that like our people are young people that are going to have to deliver at the voting box and we're ready to do that. We know that Latinos, um, Mexicanos, people in Arizona and Texas and um, Illinois, all across the country are ensuring that we're showing up for folks. And so, you know, we know that we need permanent protection. These last four years um, have been some of the hardest ones that in the Latino community have been particularly hit, whether it was by forced sterilization of women in detentions, whether it was by uh, the government's inability to respond to COVID and the fact that Latinos have been one of the leading deaths in this country. And so I think that for us, it's, it's, it's definitely respecting and honoring the legacy of um, Justice Ginsburg, but also, and even more important for us, is taking responsibility for where democracy goes into this country. And I am telling you that undocumented young people, DACA recipients, dreamers, we're ready to be able to seize that moment and seize that leadership now. And that's why I'm honored to serve as United We Dream's executive director. What would be your message for young Latinx voters who, well, it's a two-part question. One, for those who can vote and it's their first time voting, what's your message for them for these November 3rd elections? You know, young people have always been at the front line of all of the fights worth having in this country. And so for every young person that feels disillusioned, we're not choosing a savior. We're not choosing a political party. We are choosing ourselves and we are choosing um, the target for the next campaigns on how we are going to win the Green New Deal, how we're going to win immigration reform, how we're going to make sure that black people are able to walk in this country without uh, fear. And so um, it is our turn to be able to show up into this moment. And I know that we have been doing that with the uprisings that we are just in the middle of when we see the call for climate change. Um, and so for although undocumented people and DACA recipients like myself can't vote and anyone that's under 18, we were not able to vote, we can inform and educate voters so that they understand the power of their vote. So that if you have someone in your family that they know that they can vote on behalf of you. And for those of us that can vote, ensuring that we're taking that responsibility very seriously. And again, not getting lost in like the details about um, or like in the conversations about which one is better than the other and being like, it's really about us choosing ourselves. And we know no matter what, that these last four years have been devastating to the communities that we love and deserve and that we love and we serve. And so we're ready to continue to deliver the, the victories. Grace Martinez, it was a pleasure to be able to speak to you. You're a, a leader, you're an inspiration for many, many young Latinos and women in general. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you. This was Latinx Debate. Remember to text VOTAMOS or Latinx to 52886 to register to vote or verify that you have registered. You can also follow Latinx on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx or learn more at wearelatinx.com. This was our sixth episode of Latinx Debate. I'll be seeing you again next week.